it's interesting, um, just the sense at the moment that, uh, that God's wanting us to understand what it means to walk through a battle and come out the end with a victory. And uh, the importance of that and, and understanding that we're, we are in a spiritual battle. You know, sometimes, and I know I'm guilty of this myself, is sometimes we can, uh, we can always be uh, into the, the inheritance, the positive stuff that happens because of Jesus and all the promises that we have. That's all fantastic, but we've also got to remember that we are in a battle and sometimes there's just hard work. And as I spoke about last week, the challenge for us is to stand. Sometimes things don't look great. You know, and we wonder, oh, where's the goodness of God? Yes, we've got to hang on to the promises, but sometimes we've got to stand in those and realize there is a spiritual battle involved. And so I want to continue this morning. Last week I spoke about um, walk, walk before warfare and the idea that for us, um, the biggest battle you and I face in our lives is a battle internally within our own soul and our own heart about uh, what we think about, uh, the emotions we feel that all at times run counter to what we know is true in God. Um, and our biggest battle is in that. And, and so last week, I'd, and I just want to encourage you, if you, did it, you haven't heard that message, um, I'm not going to re-preach it. So um, we've got plenty of ways for you to be able to access that through um, our YouTube channel online and, um, and our podcast as well. So I'd encourage you to, to get that. I, I really believe last week there's some keys in there and then again this week um, for how we can uh, walk through the battles that we're facing and see, as we've sung this morning, the victory that God already sees for us, see it actually become a reality. So I want to read out of um, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Um, before we go there, though, I just want to, um, we've got a few of our, our crew this morning that are at um, uh, El Rancho is hosting their marriage retreat this weekend. Um, so that's just people coming along to El Rancho for some input in terms of marriage. We've got quite a few of our team that are there ministering and helping out uh, for the weekend, helping our rancho. Um, and I thought it'd be really cool just to pray. Because I know there's one thing that, um, uh, one of the tactics of the enemy is to destroy families and relationships. Um, and marriages being one of those. And so uh, it'd be really cool for us just to pray. Because uh, I really believe sometimes these moments when we set aside time to invest in our key relationships, particularly marriage relationships, God can turn something around that's heading on a slippery slippery slope to somewhere that he doesn't want it to go. Um, and so I just want to pray this morning. So if you join with me, that'd be great. Father, we thank you for every uh, couple uh, at the retreat at El Rancho this weekend. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will move in their relationships, that you would cause there to be healing where there needs to be healing. You would cause there to be strengthening where there needs to be strengthening. Lord, that you'd cause there to be new hope or and, and new excitement and new vision for the couples as they are spending time together, reflecting, being led through some things as they're able to uh, seek you and worship you in that environment. Lord God, we pray that you would work uh, miracles, that you would bring transformation. God, that you would increase the quality of the relationships of the, the couples that are there. And uh, Lord, that out of this, there would be great, um, great growth and great testimonies of your goodness and your transforming lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, de the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I've got four points this morning that I want to just cover off in this, uh, in this one, which I'm calling Warring with Wisdom. Warring with Wisdom. So last week was Walk before warfare, and this week is warring with wisdom. See, let's meet, my first point is this, this thing, let's not deny this, evil is real. Okay? Let's just make this, this comment. Evil is real. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's not something uh, that is part of a fantasy world that we believe all of a sudden um, in the 21st century that because it's a fantasy world, that there must be evil because that's the, you know, evil is real. Full stop. End of it. It's not an argument. Evil is real. We just have to look at the world around us to know that there is something evil that is at work. You can put many names to evil. The Bible uses many names. The devil. Lucifer. Satan, tempter, the accuser of the brethren, demons, demonic forces. In this passage, it talks about the idea that we don't battle against flesh and blood, in other words, human beings, but there are rulers, there are authorities, there are powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil. You are, you and I are in a battle. Yes, we know, and as I said last week, yes, we know that Jesus has won. He has defeated death. He has defeated, defeated sin. But at this stage, until he comes again and establishes his kingdom fully on earth, we are in a battle. I just want us to continue to remember that because I think sometimes we forget that. We get busy with life, stuff is happening and we just have to deal with what comes across our plate and we do that really well and part of that is the whole process of walking like I talked about last week but if we don't remember that we're in a battle there and there are times when we let our guards down and we allow things into our lives that are actually creating room for evil to operate in ways that God never intended us to do. 
I love in this passage that Paul says, the last stage, with this in mind, in that last verse of verse 18, with this in mind. So he's talking about the fact that you're in a spiritual battle. You're not battling against flesh and blood. You're in a spiritual battle against uh, spiritual forces of evil. And it says, in his last phrase is, with this in mind. So keep it in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all of God's people. See, sometimes I think that the challenge for us as the church is, particularly in New Zealand, is we can become so complacent and so comfortable in our way of life and following Jesus. It fits within our comfort zone. For some of us, we've been brought up in it. Some of us have have come into it later. Some of us are still asking, maybe journeying towards what following Jesus looks like. But one of the dangers of living in New Zealand is, is the following Jesus becomes an add-on or it becomes something that, that we sit around everything else that's going on in our lives. And we get comfortable with the fact that we're a Christian. And in getting into that point of comfort, we lose this, this encouragement that Paul gives us to keep in mind that you're in a spiritual battle. Sometimes you think it's all about your grumpy neighbor or your grumpy spouse or your rebellious teenagers or those young people who just are annoying or those old people who just can't drive properly. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Sorry, Tony. Or that person when you go into a shop and they don't pay you any attention. They don't give you any customer service. And we get grumpy. And in doing so, we open up our lives to stuff that God doesn't want us to open our lives to. And sometimes we excuse it and we say, Oh, oh, well, that's just part of life today. I guess the encouragement from last week in terms of walking before warfare is, is you and I need to pay attention to every single part of our lives and what we're allowing to take place in our lives. Because evil is real. The demonic is real. Sometimes, yes, as I said last week, we can glorify it too much and give the devil way too much credit for stuff when actually it's our own issue because we've got a little bit slack or a bit lazy or a bit complacent and we've allowed things to take over in our lives or into our lives that we should never have if we'd been alert and keeping in mind the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. See, evil is real. The second point I'll say is your work, your walk, as I talked about last week, your walk either will align you with evil or align you with goodness and God. And you can be walking in what you consider as aligning yourself with goodness, but there's still stuff in your life that is aligning with evil. And part of the challenge for us is is this process of discipleship 
is realizing that, as I said last week, we are called to be righteous and we're declared righteous and holy by Jesus. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And greater is He that is in us than he that's in the world. But you and I are making choices every day about our walk. And you either give place to the devil or you don't. Moses put it this way when he stood before, his, before the people of Israel and he says to them, choose. Choose who you're going to serve. Joshua stood in the beginning of Joshua chapter 1. It talks about this idea. Joshua stood also and he said to the people of Israel, you choose. But as for me and my house, we're choosing to serve the Lord. See, that's a choice you and I make every day. Your, work, your walk leads you in one of two directions, either towards light life and increase, towards more of God in your life. Or it leads you towards death, darkness and decrease. The challenge is, how are you walking? Because if evil's real, how you walk is important. Jesus puts it this way in John 10.10. 10, he says, The thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. Life to the full. Jesus wants us to live in life. The enemy, evil, wants us to live with things being stolen from us. With destruction with death in our lives. That's what he wants. Jesus wants us to live in life. Ephesians 4.27 says this, that we're to give no opportunity for the devil. In your anger, do not sin. Don't go to sleep angry and, and in doing so, give opportunity for the devil. One of the things I've learned growing up is there are moments in our lives where we give evil legal ground to operate in our world. I use this phrase legal ground because as followers of Jesus, when you committed your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you as Lord of my life. What happens then is the devil actually loses all authority over you because you've submitted to Jesus. That's the truth. But there are sometimes there are things that we allow to continue in our life after we've made that decision that actually give the enemy legal ground to continue to come in. So there's this tension again that exists in the Christian walk where what is true, we are holy and righteous. We are set free. We are under the, the, the lordship of Jesus. But at the same time, there are areas in our lives that we all know that are actively still in rebellion to the will of God, that are actively still 
sinning, that are actively still pursuing the things that we want. That are, if, if you want to read in Romans, Paul puts it this way, where there's still the flashes in work within our lives, where we're still doing what we want rather than what God wants. And there's this tension involved there because the moment we open our lives to things that are not of God and we actively pursue them, I don't mean if you're ignorantly involved, I mean you actively pursue and you're knowing what you're actively in pursuing and you're giving in that moment the evil one, you're giving evil ability to access you. Are you with me? I'm not sure about you, but I don't want, in my life, I don't want to give the devil access because if he's a thief and he's here to steal, steal, kill and destroy, I don't want that happening in my world. And I'm pretty sure you don't either. It's not an appealing idea, absolutely. And so for us, we have to take this seriously. Now, I know for us as a church, we, we lean really strongly into grace. We lean really strongly into love. God loves you unconditionally. He loves you with a love that nothing can separate you from. In fact, Romans 8.38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So love is always there. Grace is always there. Grace abounds when sin does. Romans talks about this. But Paul then goes on in writing that, he says, whenever there's sin and sin is increasing, grace abounds all the more. There's always more grace. But then he goes on and he says, but does that mean we should keep on sinning? Does that mean we should still continue to actively pursue the stuff that we want to do rather than what God's called us to do? By no means. In other words, heck no. You should never take advantage of the grace that God has bestowed on us. God's love doesn't change for us. But we must take this seriously because evil is real. Are you hearing I'm trying to? Yes, we want to always, and I've said this to some of our staff and, and stuff, we always want to lean towards more grace. I want to emphasize the grace and love of God more than I do want to emphasize darkness and sin because actually I don't want to magnify that. But if we're not conscious of it, we make choices that are unwise. And in doing so, we step into Places where the, the devil, the evil one, has ability to access our lives. 
See, I think it's super important if we're going to get involved with spiritual warfare. And as I said last week, the main spiritual warfare that takes place is within ourselves and dealing with what's going on in our world. The victory belongs to God, always belongs to God. But we've got choices to make. And for us, if you're ever going to get into a position where you're actively going to pursue spiritual warfare, you better have your life sorted. That probably puts all of us off from it. This is, so my first point was evil is real. My second point, your, your, work, your walk counts. My third point is that if you're going to spit, in, uh, spit. <clears throat> if you're going to spit in the eye of the enemy, <laughs> you have to be really clear on where your authority is sitting. I want to go back into scripture here for a second, okay, so you understand this. This is Mark 16, and this is Jesus speaking to the disciples just before he left. In Mark 16, verse 15, and he says there, And then Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety and they will, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. There's another passage in uh, Matthew chapter 10 where uh, Jesus sends out his 12 uh, apostles um, into the the surrounding parts of Israel. of Jerusalem of Israel and he sends them with this instructions don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans but only to the people of Israel God's lost sheep go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near heal the sick raise the dead cure those with leprosy and cast out demons give as freely as you have received I want to say I firmly believe that part of the manifestations of being a disciple is Christ of Christ is that we will see demonic powers removed from people's lives. I'm not going to go into an argument about oppression or possession or anything like that at the moment. There's a whole realm of conversation. I'm not going to go there. But I believe it's pretty clear that Jesus expected disciples to see the demonic removed not just from their own life, but from the lives of people that they're ministering to. That the process of discipleship is that the the influence of evil decreases in people's lives as they get closer to Jesus. Yeah? Sometimes that involves a confrontation in the spirit between demonic between the demonic and between God that we are involved in. I want to say this really clearly to you. This last phrase where Jesus says, give as freely as you have received. We often quote that because it's all about generosity. You know, God gives us stuff, so we've got to give it to other people. I want to apply it and and. You can challenge me on this. I want to apply this in regards to how we manifest the kingdom of heaven and our ministry to other people. 
because I think there are times when we have stepped out of our sphere of our authority. The authority that we have as followers of Jesus is Jesus' ones that he has delegated to us. We have all, he has all authority, we have all authority. Yes, amen. But how many of you know that you're still walking through an outworking and understanding of what authority God has given me? The problem sometimes is we step outside of, and this again is the tension that exists. Yes, it's true, we have all authority in Christ. But I might not yet have walked out the revelation of what that authority means for me in this moment. If I step out of authority that Jesus has revealed to me, I put myself in a position where I'm no longer under the covering that I could be. The way that the kingdom of God works is we must always remain under authority. Kingdom works by authority. It flows from the top. Jesus holds all authority. He delegates that authority to us. My experience in my Christian walk and what I've seen with people is sometimes we assume that because he's given us all authority, that means we can step in and confront this demonic power because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I've seen situations where people have done that and then they faced a backlash. This is why I say warring must take place wisely and why it's really important that you start with yourself. Walk first, walk before warfare. Get yourself healed, get yourself sorted. If you know there are issues going on in your world that you haven't yet submitted to the authority of Jesus and to his lordship in your life, then please do not step out into spiritual warfare about the demonic. Yes, you've been given all authority, but you haven't yet manifested it in your own life. So why on earth would you try to step out to address something for someone else? Give as freely as you've received. If you haven't received victory in a particular area of your life, don't you dare step into trying to minister victory for someone else in that area of, your life, of their life. Because you step out of authority. I, 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 don't want you to, I don't want us to live in fear or uncertainty, but I want us to live wisely. We are in a battle. Evil is real. And the devil and his demonic forces will take every opportunity they can to derail you from what, he is, what God has placed, the road that God's placed you on. And sometimes our own choices and sometimes our own pride and arrogance puts us into places where we actually open ourselves up for the devil to attack us. And then we go back to God and we blame him because he didn't cover us.
Does that make sense? You have a sphere of authority. Let me just, I want to say this, and, and please hear me as I say this. If you're struggling in a battle with something in your own world at the moment, please be very careful. Please be very careful how you are involved with ministering to other people. That doesn't mean that we all have to be perfect. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is if you are actively in warfare over a particular area in your life that you're still struggling with, please don't try and minister to someone else while that battle is still going on. For some of us who go, well, that's going to exclude me forever. So I'm always in some sort of a battle. That, that, absolutely, that's true. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying, please be careful. Use wisdom. If God is speaking to you about ministering to someone in a particular place, and you know, and you know that there's authority for that, then go for it. Because we're children of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. But if you know that you've got areas in your life that you are, and I use this word really carefully, that you're consciously and actively allowing to exist, that you know are not aligned with the kingdom of God, then please do not step into spiritual warfare. On behalf of other people. Please allow God to battle in your life and, and to see the victory in those areas. But if you are consciously and actively still pursuing stuff that is not of God, then don't, please, expose yourself to ministry in this area. My last point, I'm going to finish with this. Actually, I'm going to tell a story first. <laughs> uh, my first encounter with the demonic was when I was about 17. At a youth camp, funnily enough. And I just want to say to you, it is not something that you want to actively pursue unless God has graced you for it. I'll just, that's my story. <laughs> you want details? Uh, <laughs> I have two sentences of my story. It was a youth camp. Young people were invited to pray for people. I was in a situation where I started praying for someone and they manifested. If you don't know what that means, they it became ugly really quickly. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. 
and I didn't have any form of covering or training, I would look back and say it was an incredibly unwise situation that the leaders of that camp had put some of us young people in. From personal experience, I've since learned that there are ways of dealing with the demonic that as you grow in your maturity and your understanding of God and, and learn what authority you live under where ugliness doesn't have to be part of demonic confrontation. And when you look at Jesus, anytime he does that, he encounters the demonic. It's never ugly it's always beautiful and it happens really easily and simply without a lot of mess. I look back into that situation and my own story of that and the reason I'm not going into details on it is because it is super ugly and some parts of it I've probably blocked out. Because... The thing I, I didn't understand back then is what Paul says in Ephesians 6. He says, this battle is not against flesh and blood. Unfortunately, it impacts on flesh and blood. But unless you understand that, you don't minister with wisdom and gentleness and grace and love. It becomes about this shouting match, which sometimes... Shouting and speaking with authority are two different things. And whenever I look at Jesus and how he ministered to people and any time he confronted people who were possessed or oppressed of the enemy, it was motivated from compassion that came from deep within his spirit. It wasn't motivated by anger. It wasn't motivated by frustration wasn't motivated by anything other than compassion, which is, a, which is an active manifestation of love is compassion. Where I act out of something that has stirred my, in terms of Shane Willard's teaching, he would teach that something comes out of your guts, out of your splachner is the word he uses, your intestine. Something within you is stirred up with compassion to address this, but it's stirred from love. Not from fear, not from anger, but from love. And so for me, I found it quite interesting. If you don't love something, you can't have authority over it. So if you haven't learned to love people, something flow out of your heart, out of your spirit, where it doesn't matter who the person is, I love them with a love that God has given me. And don't minister. Because you end up ministering out of the wrong spirit and out of the wrong heart. Acts, oh, I'm just conscious of time. Acts chapter 19, I'm unpacking a massive topic and I'm trying to cover it really well and I'll miss bits, but please be with me. Acts chapter 9. Am I going to go there? Yes. Acts chapter 9, verse 8. Sorry, I'm just 
I'm super conscious. I don't want to go somewhere that Holy Spirit isn't opening for me. I want to read this out of Acts chapter 19, this story. Then Paul went to the synagogue, and this is in Ephesus, and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn and rejected his message and publicly spoke against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And this went on for the next two years. It's a long time. So that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons, please note it says God gave Paul. There was a grace on Paul's life to perform unusual miracles. Not everyone, even though you're a follower of Jesus, has the same grace. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Then verse 13, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this, but one time when they tried it, it's interesting, it says one time, maybe other times this didn't happen. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on him, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. And the story of what happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burnt, burned them at a public bonfire. And the value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. I remember reading this for the first time a long time ago. It was a long, long, long time ago. It sobered me very quickly about the demonic and our understanding of our authority and what we have been graced for and what we should address and what we shouldn't address. And I find it interesting in this that there's a story that resulted in Jesus being honored and glorified. See, any time the demonic is defeated, the glory must go to Jesus. Because he's the one who wins the battle. But the interesting thing as a result of this story was believers changed their walk. Because they had a new understanding of what they were opening their lives up to if they allowed active sin and things that were not of the kingdom of God to be existing in their lives. If you think about what the rest of that passage talks about, just the idea that they burnt books related 
to sorcery that were worth, in today's value, several million dollars. There was stuff going on in their lives that was of significant investment to them. And they were actively allowing it as part of their Christian walk. And in this moment of encounter with the demonic, the story that was told as a result of that, there was this holy fear that went through the church. And I dare say repentance, a changing of the way I think and what I allow to go on in my world because all of a sudden I realize that evil is real and I need to be careful how I walk. I need to be careful that I'm operating within the sphere that God has given me to operate in and that I am living in a place where he is in the process and I am in the process with God of ongoing transformation into all that he's called me to be. God has not given us a spirit of fear that imprisons us. He has given us a a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. We need to understand that Jesus holds the victory, as we sang today. Jesus holds the victory. We might be walking through a battle and we might face moments where there's need for spiritual warfare. Don't do it alone. Do it with wisdom and invite Holy Spirit to lead you through what you need to do within your own life so that you don't give legal ground for the enemy. Let's be involved with spiritual warfare. Let's walk before we warfare and warfare with wisdom. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you conquered sin and death through Jesus, his death and resurrection. God, we don't have to fear the enemy. We don't have to fear evil. But God, we do need your wisdom. And we do need to continually align ourselves with you. And so I pray for each of us today, Lord God, that we wouldn't be caught in fear and uncertainty, but Lord, we'd continue to look to you because you're the author and the finisher of our faith. You're the one who leads us in a way that leads us toward light, life and increase. God, help us to every day make a choice to walk wisely, to walk led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. To walk open to what you're speaking to us every day. God, may we not get lazy. May we not be complacent. May we not allow stuff to exist in our lives that we know is not of you. But Lord, may we have the courage and the conviction and And the heart to 
to change the things that need to change. Holy Spirit, we welcome your leadership in our lives. We thank you that you're with us and that greater is a you who is in us than anything in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.